Good morning, church. It's good to be with you again this morning. So, Whiting Christian Church, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. That's why we exist. Uh, Part of that, part of that mission, part of that vision to help people come and find Jesus and follow Him, well, it's a six-week series, really, and and we're going to be walking with people, hopefully, uh, as we as we figure out in this journey of helping people find and follow Jesus, how to go from bitter to better. And really, we're doing that over six weeks in the book of Ruth. Uh, It's this short little book. I would encourage you to go read it as you go home. It's like four chapters long. You can read it probably in 10 minutes. But it's really this journey of bitter to better. And we want to help you find that pathway. We want to find the pathway when life happens, when things don't go according to their plan, uh, when crisis comes, when chaos is available. How do I go from bitter to better? And this morning, we're asking ourselves this question, what is God going to do with my bitterness? What is God going to do with my crisis? What is He going to do with the chaos in my life? What is God going to do? How is He going to shape that bitterness into something else? What's He going to do with this? What's He going to do with my life when I'm terribly bitter? And this morning, uh, as we look into this beautiful book of Ruth in the Old Testament, and we find this character, Naomi, who has, has... has really just, her life has been put through the ringer. I mean, she has been forced out of her homeland because of a famine. She's got no food, but she's got her family, so she thinks. She's got her husband and two sons, and everything's uh, going to be okay. As, I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be a Disney special at this point, right? I mean, we ain't got... We ain't got much, honey, but we got love, right? I mean, we got each other. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, uh, everybody just hug and we'll get through this together. We'll climb the mountain, except her husband dies and her two sons die, and she's left with two Moabite in-laws. And if you were here with us last week, you found out that there's no such thing as a good Moabite woman. I mean, there's only one kind of Moabite woman, and it was a bad Moabite woman, and they probably, well, they probably had to pay some sort of a dowry, some sort of property uh, for their sons to be able to marry these Moabite women in the first place. And now here she is, and she's stuck in Moab in a foreign land, and things aren't going well. And, And if you were with us last week, she is exactly where you would expect her to be. She is in a bitter place. And she's so bitter, in fact, that she is looking to the heavens and she is saying, God, you did this to me. I am here because of you. Why did you do this? I'm angry. She's so angry, in fact, that she says, don't even call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. That's how bitter she is. Change my name to bitter. And maybe you left last week going, oh man, do I feel places like that in my life. Oh man, do I, have I had times when chaos and crisis are, are overabounding and I'm looking to the heavens wondering what God is up to. 
And we're asking the question this morning, what is it that God can do with your bitterness? What is it that He can do with your crisis and your chaos? Well, I started thinking about Naomi this week, and and it reminded me of a story of a woman who was completely faithful to her husband. She had uh, just been through the ringer with him. He was now in a coma, and, and she was with him every day. It cost her a great deal, but she was with him every day, and he would kind of fade in and out of consciousness. And one day, he kind of he began to come to, and he kind of opened his eyes, and, and he didn't have a strong voice, so he, he kind of motioned her over, and she was able to, to hear what he was saying in, in kind of broken whispers. And he began to say to her, honey, I, you were the, you've always been there. You're with me now. You were there when I lost my job. You were there when we lost the house to the fire. You were there by my side when I got in the car accident that put me here. And honey, there's, there's something I want you to know. I think you're bad luck. That's how Naomi feels, gang. That's how she feels. She feels like I'm just bad luck. She's feeling like I am bitter and I'm in a bitter place. What is it that God is going to do with my bitterness? What is He going to do with my chaos? I'm just bad luck. If you're interested in the answer, let's turn to Ruth together. Open up your Bibles, would you? We're going to be in Ruth again. Ruth, the, the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. So it's real near the beginning of your Bibles. And we're going to be in the first chapter. What is it that God can do with your bitterness? What is it that God's going to do with your chaos? What is it that He can and may do? With all of the the deep feelings that you feel like I'm just bad luck, what is it that God can do in the midst of that? Well, one of the things that God can do with your bitterness, one of the things He can do with your chaos and your crisis, is He can put you in a position to actually bless other people. Sometimes in your bitterness, maybe the thing that that you can do, that God's giving you an opportunity to do with the people that are around you, is to actually ask God's blessing for them. Now, Naomi's in a bitter place. She has these bitter feelings toward God. She feels like God is saying, Naomi, you're unlucky. But even in the midst of that, all of her bitter feelings are really veiling a very firm faith. And she demonstrates that in her willingness to sacrifice what would be hers and give it to someone else. Sometimes, when you're bitter and you're in crisis and there is chaos, God can take that and add blessing to someone else. Listen to Naomi, verse 6 in chapter 1. 
When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to aid his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Hey, we're going home. God's doing something there and we have to, to get on the road. It's a road trip and we're going Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, her two daughters-in-law, go back, go back, each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Now here she is. She's destitute. She's got... She's got no husbands. She's got no sons. And she is willing to cut loose the two people in the world that could actually help her. She's saying, essentially, hey, I want you to go save yourselves. I don't want you to hang around here. I don't want you to worry about me. I'm going to be just fine. Uh, You go, and you go back to the home uh, that you know. Don't come with me into a foreign land because uh, she's probably thinking, hey, if you go with me into a foreign land, things aren't going to go well for you. And I don't know if you caught this, but she actually begins to pray a prayer of blessing upon her two daughters-in-law. They have shown great kindness. They have shown great kindness to Naomi. And she says, may the Lord show you kindness. Uh, That word for kindness there is the Hebrew word hesed. It's kind of one of those Hebrew words that if you don't kind of spit it out, it doesn't really work. It's kind of like you have to gargle hesed. Right? Everybody try that. Hesed. And this is the kind, yes, oh, some of you are really enjoying this, right? You're going to be at the dinner table later this afternoon, and you're going to be like, Hesed. No, no, honey, it's loving kindness. It's the God's mercy. It's resting right here in this table. And she says, I want Hesed. I want God's loving kindness, His mercy. I want his blessing to rest with you. Here she is. She's feeling this grave bitterness. And the two people that really are a lifeline for her economically, uh, she's an old woman. She's not going to go out and work like they're going to work. Her economic uh, uh, line of, of living is completely gone if she cuts them off. And yet she recognizes they're probably not going to find husbands. Things are probably not going to go well for them if they're Moabites in the land of Judah. Remember, there's no such thing as a good Moabite woman. And she cuts them off. She says, hey, go home. Go away. You have been kind to me. I pray God's blessing upon you. And she says some really interesting things here. I had to look them up. She says, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Uh, Really, the idea is go back to your mother, uh, a room in your mother's house. Some commentators suggest that uh, this idea is uh, that marriages were kind of put together in in a room in the mother's home Right? And 
men and women would be betrothed to one another with agreements with other family in that room. And she is saying, hey, I want you to go home. I want you to, to have your moms come and love on you. And then eventually, you're going to find another man. Everything's going to go well. You go home. Things aren't going to go well for you if you come with me. And she cuts herself off. She says, you save yourself. I want to bless you. Don't you worry about me. I know that I feel bitter, but I want you to have a blessed life. And gang, she does all but call them an Uber to get them to go home. Right? That's a cab, okay? It's, it's the modern cab. She does everything in her power. Both of them begin to cry and say, no, no, we're not going to leave you. And she says, no, the sensible thing to do is to leave. Listen to her argument. She begins it in the end of verse 9. She kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And she said to her, and said to her, we will go back to you and with your people. But Naomi said, return home. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? There's this old Jewish tradition, and, and, and it's a tradition that goes something like this, that if, if a woman's husband died, but he had a brother, the brother had to marry his wife to make sure that she would be provided for. And what Naomi is saying in really... A, well, she's saying it very plainly. She's saying, hey, are these guts going to have any more children? That's what she says here. And in other words, she's saying, no, there's no more boys. I'm not going to have any more boys. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter uh, what happens from here on out. No, I'm not going to have any more boys. And it, it, even if I could, uh, it's not going to go well. You're not going to wait that long. Return home. Go. Verse 12, return home. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, no, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand is against me. She's saying, it's not against me, but it's. It's against me. God's hand is against me, but it's not against you. Go. Find blessing. You know, perhaps, perhaps it is that in your crisis and in your chaos, God is giving you an opportunity to bless somebody else. Naomi here is acting in great selflessness. She's saying, don't worry about me. Even though I feel like God has, has turned His hand against me, don't, don't worry about me. Let me bless you. Let me bless you by cutting you loose. Uh, you don't have to worry about me or what's going to happen to me. And actually, one of the daughters-in-law does. Orpah decides that she's going to go. Listen to what happens. At this, they wept aloud again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. And in verse 15, Naomi, looking at Ruth, says, Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back! God may be giving you an opportunity to bless someone in the middle of your crisis. But it's going to require that you're selfless 
And you say, at some point, I need to think about what you're going through. I was sharing with uh, Josh and Bryce before the service began. And I said, you know, it's kind of like when you go to the hospital to visit somebody. And you go and you want to be a blessing to them And you sit down, and as you have conversation, you leave having been blessed by them more than you blessed them. They bless you more than you bless them. And God may be using a crisis for you to say, I'm going to use this opportunity to bless somebody else. I'm going to cut them loose. I'm going I'm to make sure that I act selflessly to make sure that what is best for them happens to them. I know that I feel bitter. I know that I feel like God is against me. I know that I feel like I'm in great crisis at the hand of God. But my faith is still strong. I'm going to ask that God would be a blessing to them. In my years of ministry, it's often the people in crisis who can minister most powerfully to other people in crisis. It's the people, it's the women who have already had miscarriages who are able to talk to women who are having a miscarriage. It's the people who are having a hard time in their marriage or have gone through a hard time in their marriage who are able to bless those who have have or are having a hard time in their marriage. It may be that God is asking you, rather than just simply to sulk in your bitterness, to say, there is a firm faith underneath of that. I know that you feel this way. I know that you feel like this is my fault. But would you stop for a moment and bless someone else? And so that when they come in to see you, you say, I'm going to cut you loose. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have what is best. I want you to have hesed. I want you to have God's loving kindness rest with you. Perhaps it is that God will use your bitterness and your crisis and your chaos to bring blessing into somebody else's life. And Naomi, even as bitter as she is, Ask the Lord to give blessing to these two daughters-in-law. Now, it also might be that God, in your chaos, in your bitterness, in a feeling of chaos that you may or may not be in this morning, it may be that God is going to use the most unexpected people in your life to take you away from your bitterness and get you on a pathway from bitter to better. Because that's exactly what God does for Naomi. Naomi is is still here. She's stuck in her bitterness. She's wondering what's going to go on. Uh, She's scared about what's happening. She's uh, still tried to add God's blessing to someone else. uh, But she could not imagine what God was up to. Sometimes in your bitterness, in a moment of crisis, you need to be open to whomever God will bring to you even if it's the most unexpected person imaginable. Naomi has said, hey, I want you to go. Go away. Go find another husband. Go live another life. Uh, Save yourselves. Don't worry about me. And there is this woman, this Moabite woman. Her name is Ruth. And she says, the text read, 
She is clinging to her. She is clung to her. And the idea of this word behind clinging is this idea of absolutely committed. I am staying here. I am not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. I am going to stay near you. And God is going to respond to Naomi's bitterness and say, I'm going to use the most unexpected person. You remember the Moabites are the enemy, right? Have I, have I said that? There is no such thing as a good Moabite woman. And here is this Moabite woman clinging to Naomi, clinging to her, committed to her. You might say that God is using the enemy to bring about blessing in her life. Psychiatrists say that when people are depressed, would you say that Naomi is depressed here? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say she's a little depressed. Psychiatrists sometimes say of people who are, are severely depressed that there's, there's a running loop in their mind of three thoughts. And those three thoughts are, I'm no good, my life is bleak, and my future is hopeless. And this is where Naomi finds herself, and she just has this running loop of, I'm no good, my, my life is bleak, and my future is hopeless. And it just goes over and over and over in her mind. You can just feel it as you walk through this text and this story. And, and what Naomi doesn't realize is that God is about ready to roll up his sleeves and say, I'm going to give you someone that you didn't expect, but she is going to be absolutely committed to you, and that's the person in Ruth. A Moabite woman. Read with me, would you, in verse 16. Listen to this. Now, can I paint a picture for you just really quickly? This is not from a man to a woman. This is not a wedding ceremony. This isn't a cool song that we sung, have sung to God. It is from an in-law. It's from a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law saying, I am not going to leave you. Listen, verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, ever, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. We sing the song, you've probably heard it on the radio, right? Uh, but oftentimes this is, was directed at God. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I right? Your God will be my God. What is Ruth doing? This, this, is a, uh, this is a marker on the pathway between Moab and Bethlehem. Have you ever been on a, on a trail and they have little markers? Sometimes on vacation, my family and I, we will see a big sign like historical marker, and we're just suckers for that sort of thing, and we're like, ooh, let's stop and see. And we go to the marker, and there it is, and we'll read all the stuff like, on this date, this happened here, and we'll all stand, and what do we do? Maybe you've done the same thing. We'll look, and we'll, we'll be on one side of a plaque, and, and we'll take a picture like, hey, we were here. Look, this happened here. 
And sometimes as we peruse through our Bible, maybe this marker needs to be bronzed. Maybe we need to take our picture next to this sign right here in the middle between, excuse me, between Moab and Bethlehem, these words that that Ruth gives to Naomi to say, I'm going to be absolutely committed. Ruth is absolutely converting herself. She says, I don't care what it's going to take. I'm going to believe in your God. I'm going to believe in your people. And I am going to commit my life to the very grave for you. The sense of this is her, several commentators have said, it's as if she says, I don't care if they kill me. I don't care if they cut my throat. I am not going to leave you. And until you're dead and buried and in the ground and even beyond that, I'm going to make sure that I'm right next to you. It's that kind of crazy commitment. And maybe it is in the middle of your crisis that God is going to provide someone like that for you. An unexpected person that he has been planning uh, for some time that's going to come alongside of you and say, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to commit my life to yours. I'm going to come alongside of you and we're going to get through this together. Maybe God's going to provide someone like that for you. Maybe he's going to be working in the background. But can I tell you, it might be a Moabite. It might be someone that you have seen in your life as an enemy. Are there people in your life that you're thinking, no way in the world would I ever accept help from them? And perhaps it is that God will humble your heart in the middle of a crisis and that person will be the one person in the world that God sends to be committed to you. In the middle of your crisis, what will God do? Well, it's very possible that God will send someone you do not expect to help be a blessing to your life. Ruth says, I'm not gonna go anywhere. And God's divine hand is moving. As I began to think through this, I, 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 I have a six-year-old son, and he enjoys the movie Toy Story. Have you seen this movie? And in this movie, there is these like alien-looking creatures. They're like little squeaky toys. And it's kind of interesting because the divine figure in Toy Story is the claw. And they look at the claw like, it's the claw. Whatever the claw says goes. But they join their life, these little squeaky toys. They say, you know, you have saved our lives. We are endured, you know, we are endured for you to you forever. And they will sacrifice themselves in order for someone else to have. And Ruth is saying, 
it doesn't matter where you go, the claw has told me, God has told me, I am with you, and I'm going to be loyal to him and being committed to you. Don't be surprised when God sends someone unexpected in your life that will be committed to you, even though you're in crisis. But there's something else that's going on in this story. You see, they do make it to Bethlehem. If you read down through there, it begins in verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? In other words, she doesn't look so hot. So they make it to Bethlehem. It's the time of the barley harvest, verse 22 is going to tell us. There is Naomi. She's a foreigner in a foreign land. Everybody knows it. But what is God up to? Do you know that sometimes in your crisis, God may be doing something that you have no idea that He's doing? Because what's happening? You remember last week when I told you where the Moabites came from? You see... Abraham and Lot were together. That's in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 13, God had blessed Abraham and his family. That's Lot, his cousin. And they had blessed him so well that they had all these herds and herdsmen. And eventually, those herds and those herdsmen, they, they get so large that they actually begin feuding with one another. And Lot comes to Abraham, and they kind of have a conversation like, what should we do? Uh, We can't have this go on. And Abraham says, go pick a direction, any direction you want to go, and and you can go there. And if you know the ins and outs of the story, Lot looks to the right, and he looks to the left, and on the the left side, he looks and he sees a, a really good land, right? He sees Iowa, okay? Thank you for laughing at that. He sees Iowa, and, and he sees like, hey, that, that's good dirt over there. I'm going to go over there. Because to the right, he saw Wyoming, and he said, nothing, nothing good grows over there. And so he says, Abraham, I'm going to, take the, I'm going to go to Iowa. Uh, you go ahead, and you go, you go to Wyoming, okay? Now, that's where the analogy stops, okay? Don't take this too far. You know where the Moabites come from? They come from Iowa. <laughs> no, they, they come from Lot. The Moabites kind of originate with Lot. Now, here's what's happening. Everything goes badly with Lot. Uh, there's kind of this incestuous thing going on eventually, and that's how we get the Moabites. Now, what's God doing? Something that neither Ruth nor Naomi have any clue about. What's he doing? Here's this Moabite woman coming to help this Israelite woman. And what God is beginning to do is He is beginning to heal a family relationship that for centuries has been divided. He's saying, hey, I'm bringing the family back together. I'm going to heal this thing. I'm going to bring it back together. And it's a word that we use in the Bible, and and, and I'm going to use it here. It's a word of reconcile. I'm going to sew this tapestry back together. 
Oh, there might be some scars. There might be a, a line where we can, we can see that everything had to be put back together. But what God is doing is He is saying, I see this family over here. I know where the Moabites come from and their family. And I'm going to bring them back together. And neither Ruth nor Naomi have any clue that that's what God's plan is. They have no clue that God in His, in His great sovereignty is looking at all of this and He is bringing it all back together. Is it possible, church? That God is going to use your crisis. That He is going to demonstrate His power in your crisis, in your bitterness, in your chaos to do something that you can't imagine Him doing that may actually bring people together. That may reconcile something that you never thought could be reconciled. Is it possible that God in His wisdom is going to use your crisis and your bitterness in this moment to bring something together that was broken. We've asked the question this morning, what is it that God's going to do? What is it that God's going to do with your bitterness? Well, God's people... Let's be committed to him and find out. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray, I pray that any of us who are going through crisis or bitterness or pieces of chaos, I pray, Lord God, that we would have the capacity, the capacity to continue to pray blessings upon others even though we're going through a hard time, Lord, even though we feel hurt. Lord, would we be willing to accept the help in unexpected places through the people that you will send? And Lord, would you heal in some cosmic, great, sovereign, powerful way? Would you bring greatness to our crisis? Lord, take advantage of our crisis to bring about healing in ways that we couldn't imagine. Lord, we're serious. We want to be on that road. No longer, Lord, do we want our name to be bitter, but Lord, lead us. Help us to move from bitter to better. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.